wrestling promoter throughout North America. I kick every one of their asses. Northside Connection listeners, welcome back to the Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcast. I'm your host, Jake. As always, Logan, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Jake, as well. Uh, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. Uh, it's not a new year in our timeline. No, we're still in 2003. <laughs> yeah. Still in 2003, baby. <laughs> it's only getting better by the day, uh, as we will talk about tonight. <laughs> Right. We're halfway through 2003. Only like 27 more episodes or something of 2003. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we took we took an episode off for the holiday, but we're we're back in the swing of this. I think we have. Ooh, I didn't even check. I think we have two weeks left until Vengeance. I'm not even sure, honestly. Yeah, I believe Kurt, some point on uh, our cold Kurt uh, on SmackDown at some point <laughs> says uh, they are three weeks away as of this. Like as of the previous Sunday, so right. So we got that. That will of course be a SmackDown only pay per view, and we can uh, we'll continue the build. Um, we we can jump right into it. Uh, no real news notes. Nothing too big popping. Uh, we kind of covered already the latest big news, which was Hogan uh, piecing out as he usually does from time to time. Um, but other than that, not not too much going on here. Uh, we will be in Canada, in the great land of Canada. Um, Coming off of the 4th of July in uh, 2003, um, we're out of the USA. We'll have two nights, first in Montreal and then uh, in Toronto. So. Toronto. <laughs> Roll two. Uh, so you can about expect what's going to have to be mentioned in Montreal here for Raw as we go into uh, the July 7th, 2003 episode of Raw live, as I said, from Montreal, Canada. Um, we were missing him last week, but he's back. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin opens the show. He, um, they, they say that he had a stomach bug, which I don't think was actually true, but they really roll with this. Like he goes into all this detail about, uh, he said I had a stomach bug. They say TV dinners are not good for food poison and neither is ice cold beer. So he gets into all the, uh, he's just talking about like going back and forth from the toilet to the refrigerator or something like that. So really getting over how much he was shitting, uh, last week instead of being on raw. Uh, but anyway, he cuts right to the chase and, uh, he's going to set up a match this week 
pretty much because he's tired of Booker T getting screwed over by Christian. So he's going to give Booker T yet another title shot here. And that is how we will open the show here. Uh, before we get to the match, any, uh, anything you'd like to add about the Stone Cold and his uh, food poisoning there, Logan? Yeah, I just remember JR uh, mentioning he had food poisoning on the previous week. Um, but yeah, they really rolled with it, and he uh, really got into all the uh, all the happenings and all the things that went on when he had the food poisoning and how much he shit and how much he drank beer and puked and all that good stuff. So really, really, really dove into the details. But he seems uh, awfully giddy that uh, Bischoff is not here tonight because of uh, last week's attacks. Right. All right, so we head into our match with uh, Booker T and Christian here. Um, so Christian, being the heel chicken shit he is, he tries for the intentional countout. Stone Cold's not having that. He says that the title can be lost on a countout with this. Um, but Christian tries to find a loophole. He says that it's not official until he actually gets in the ring. So Austin uh, drags him down the ramp and throws him into the ring. That allows Booker T to light him up early. Um, so he gets the early upper hand. Uh, but Christian lures him out the ring and uh, gets the advantage there as he gets a few shots in, puts Booker back into the ring, slows the pace down with a good old Christian chin lock here. Uh, so kind of a, a little comeback here, but it doesn't really hit super well. I think as I've uh, mentioned throughout this feud, I'm never really that into Christian's heel offense. Like there's a lot of heel stalling that goes on, a lot of posturing, which again, I know it's a heel, but it's very like, I feel like there was somebody like in his, you're like an agent or something telling me you needed to be like very like 80s heel. And like every time he hits even the slightest move, he has to like pander to the crowd. But the thing is, I guess in, in 2003, this crowd's just not buying. Even in Canada, I mean, maybe they would have some reaction to Christian, but he just doesn't get a whole lot. He gets real tepid heel heat, like more like frustrated from the fans. Uh, but anyway, so the comeback when Booker T does hit his comeback, I feel like it doesn't hit as well because the crowd's not buying into Christian's like the heat segment as much because Christian's offense is just kind of boring, but Booker hits the ax kick. Uh, Christian has his foot on the rope though. And that saves it. Uh, well, it doesn't save it because the ref actually counts it. They ring the bell, but the ref then sees as all these matches have to have some kind of fucking ref bullshit in it. He reverses it. Uh, we restart the match. It continues. Uh, we go to a break. We come back. And of course, Christian's locked in another chin lock, more <laughs> heels stalling from Christian, uh, again, killing any momentum. Booker T finally hangs him out to draw on the ropes and uh, gets a book, a book in for a near fall. Uh, Booker go, is building with a top, nice top rope drop kick. And then in a very silly spot, again, more ref bullshit. He goes to do the ax kick and the ref stops him. I don't know why. I don't know. <laughs> He's done this move a million times. Not sure what rule he could be breaking by doing the ax kick. So I don't understand that. That allows Christian to nearly steal the match with a roll up. Um, he gets desperate, goes for a belt shot. Um, but Booker's able to counter that. Finally hit him with the axe kick, which the ref is fine with now. And then finally wins the title to a bit of a, um, not too much of a reaction, I would say. The crowd's into it because he did finally win. But I think the match, the way it was done, didn't help this one that much. Um, because the way these two, specifically Christian, works in these matches, I feel like they don't build a lot of momentum with the crowd. Like, there's not a lot of drama to it. So when they finally do pay it off, I don't feel like the crowd... Like, they're happy in the moment, but it's not like they've been waiting for this whole match to see it. And they probably didn't think he actually was going to win because <laughs> they always have all this bullshit. But uh, to me, too much ref bullshit as always. I thought Booker was real good. And his spots, like, whenever he would fire up, he was good as usual. But I keep saying it. I just feel like 
all the ref bullshit and, and Christian stalling so much kind of stops them from building any momentum. And you didn't get the feeling like Booker T was fighting the odds or anything in this one. It just felt like Christian's annoying and he finally beat this like annoying, boring guy. So I'm going two and a half. It wasn't bad or anything, but definitely a little bit underwhelming for me. Yeah, I think I liked it a little bit more than you did, but um, mm-hmm. I definitely get the ref, the ref bullshit does hurt it for sure. There is no doubt about that. And it, is obnoxious that they had to keep going back and back and back to that every time uh, they have a match. It seems it either ends in a DQ countout or you know some kind of schmaz that uh, always re- requires a restart or you know just a switching of the decision or whatever. Um, but I did like I, I I think I'm more just like Booker T's goodness kind of overcame Christian's badness. Mm-hmm. I guess uh, for me, right. um, he let out a ton of frustration early. He really kicked Christian's ass to kind of start the match. Um, Christian finally gets on offense at one point, and but he seems like super gassed. But it's only like two minutes into the match, so he seems like super out of breath. So uh, uh, he needs to work on his conditioning a little bit, I guess. Um, but I, I wrote down that. Christian's offense is so hard to take notes on because everything he does is either a strike, a rest hold, mm-hmm. and nothing that has any impact. So you really can't like call out, oh, he hit a cool move, but like, like, because he doesn't hit cool moves um, at this point, at least. Um, but meanwhile, I feel like Booker's the exact opposite. Everything he does is hard hitting and super impactful. Um, like I like I mentioned, the false finish is stupid, and obviously, like you said, we come straight back from commercial, and of course, Christian's doing a rest hold. Um, they uh, when Booker T hits the bookend, I thought the kick out on that was pretty good, so Christian did do that well. Um, I love Booker's missile drop kick that he hits uh, during, mm-hmm. during this time period. Um, and I really like the finishing stretch with, you know, Christian seeming like he was going to sneak it out again. Uh, but Booker finally overcomes everything and wins the title. So uh, I went, yeah, like I said, two and three quarters just slightly above you. But um, I more gave Booker the credit that he probably deserved and not kind of ignored the Christian badness. Mm-hmm. I get it for sure. Um yeah, I was definitely happy for Booker. He he's been good through all this. I just don't feel like they have Greg coming. I don't like I said, I don't know. It just feels like somebody in the background was like telling Christian he needed to work like he was like a heel from nineteen seventy eight or something. It's the way like obviously he has a lot more in his arsenal than what he's doing. Yeah. But it's just that's the way they're going with this. And I get the idea, but it just doesn't really land with this. But um, good for Booker. We're finally at least they finally pulled the trigger on this and we can stop dragging this out. We'll see how long he actually holds the title, but he gets the rest of the show to celebrate as we'll check in with him um, in a little bit. So good for Booker. Glad he's able to win it in his hometown of uh, Montreal. <laughs> they got the, right they're in He, he could have won it in Houston, but we had to save it for Montreal. Exactly. So, right. All right. So we then see, uh, because of pairing, you know, always see Stone Cold Steve Austin talking to Mark Jindrak, who's uh, here tonight. Uh and before he kind of just is giving him a generic talk to like, oh, you're a good looking kid or whatever. But then he's pulled away quickly for a, an apparent emerge, high need crisis situation backstage. We find out that uh, Tommy Dreamer has been assaulted. He's covered in blood. Uh, everyone's checking on the paramedics. We're trying to get trying to get to him. Um, other superstars, of course, the dumbass Bubba is like the paramedics are trying to get to him and he's like blocking them. Like, no, it's Tommy. He's my friend. You can't. It's like, it's the fucking paramedics. You dumb idiot. Like, like let them get to him. He's such an asshole. Um, but 
we we see that someone has assaulted Tommy Dreamer. Um, were you shocked to see Mr. Dreamer covered in blood, Logan? Uh, as much blood as he was, yes. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, very very interesting uh, story here for with uh, who who attacked Tommy Dreamer. Uh, it could have been somebody a little <laughs> bit more impactful, I guess. But um, uh, it is interesting to kind of. I mean, I think as we've watched throughout these weeks, uh, there's a uh, very pri- prime suspect uh, that, that that is. Uh, that that is the probably the one that did it. So, uh, but we'll see as we learn throughout the night. Yeah, it says quickly. Stone Cold uh, Texas Ranger is going to be on the case to figure out who who is the assailant here uh, for Tommy Dreamer. I'm yeah, it out it to you, son. Hey, <laughs> I'm Tommy. You got more of a color there, kid. You're bleeding buckets, uh-huh. you son of a bitch. All right. So poor Mark Jendrak, his mom with Stone Cold got cut off there. Um, all right, we head back to the commentary booth. We have uh, JR. He's, of course, talking about the screw job. They show footage of it back from back in 97 because, of course, we are in Montreal. And he lets us know tonight uh, Shawn Michaels will be on the highlight reel and address Montreal. Um, so, of course, I mean, <laughs> we have to do this. I mean, so, why not? Was, I mean, it, it just it's its one of those things you have to just mention it at least once every time. <laughs> right. Um, all right, so we continue. Uh, we see that Teddy has a new charge for a stable, at least for the time being, and that is going to be Rosie. Of course, Jamal was fired for his um, uh, out-of-ring behavior and uh, issues outside the ring, so they got to figure out something to do with Rosie. So apparently he's going to be joining Thuggin' and Buggin' Enterprise, which I think I mean, I've been calling it that, but I don't think he said it yet. Here he actually says Thuggin' and Buggin', so official, officially dubbed it Thuggin' and Buggin'. Um, we were told that Chris Nowinski is not with them because um, Teddy says something along the lines of a white boy got knocked in the head and he's got a concussion or something like that, <laughs> which I think JR clarifies for us. But um, this, in fact, to my knowledge, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Logan, but I think from what I saw, this is that's it for Nowinski. He's done. I believe. Yeah, he, he had quite I think he had two or three like concussions like back to back. And, you know, obviously he's real. uh He's real involved with all the CTE stuff and, mm-hmm. and stuff now. Um, but I think he kind of got ahead of it and, like, you know, realized that it was obviously a problem when it was affecting him. So I think he kind of calls it a day. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he might pop back mm-hmm. in the next month or so. But, yeah, this is pretty much it for him in ring-wise. Right. And so, of course, the Harvard stuff is like a shoot. I mean, he's a very intelligent guy. So I think he decided to kind of dedicate his, himself to this cause of – you know, concussion awareness, which, I mean, definitely ahead of uh, the rest of us on this, because obviously it's a huge issue now that's come to light. But at the time, they're just like, yep, we had a concussion, and then that's it. So, um, sorry, Chris Lewinsky. Uh, unfortunately, not the greatest run in the world. Uh, you know, not they, they kind of saddled him with a gimmick, but it didn't <laughs> really go anywhere. But uh, so, uh, anyway, Chris Lewinsky's not here. Teddy says that uh, Rose, like I said, is joined Thuggin' and Buggin'. As we see Tommy Dreamer getting loaded into the ambulance, and then we head into the match. So it's going to be Rosie versus the Hurricane, which is funny given what the future is going to hold. Uh, so Hurricane goes for a handshake. Rosie's not having that. Um, very quick match, essentially a squash here. Hurricane comes at him a few times, but Rosie beats him pretty handily uh, and drops him with a Samoan drop for the win. So um, if I'm going to rate this, this is like half a star, star, wherever the hell you are. I mean, it's barely a match. It's just Hurricane getting crushed pretty quickly. Um, anything on that before we get to the post-match, which really is the really what's going on here? 
It's kind of crazy that the the only thing I really wrote down is it's crazy to think that these guys uh, team team up pretty soon uh, after mm-hmm. this. So uh, it's kind of weird seeing that optic. Uh, Hurricane hit like a blockbuster at one point that I thought looked pretty cool, and then I thought the Samoa drop was uh, pretty sick at, at the at the end for the win. Um, but yeah, like half star probably just for those couple of cool moves for sure. Right. So handles Hurricane pretty quickly, um, but then. Uh, Teddy and Teddy comes out to celebrate with him, and he immediately turns on Thug and Bugget. I mean, within five seconds, he's he has joined and has already turned on him. So uh, Rodney Mack comes out and just basically beats down Rosie. So I have no idea what this was supposed to be accomplishing. I, mean, I guess we'll let it play out next week or whatever. But so we get Rosie, we get him to pick up a win over Hurricane, make him look strong as the new member of Thug and Buggin, and then he immediately turns on them. And then he gets destroyed by Rodney Mack, who's been basically a jobber the last couple of weeks, getting crushed by Goldberg. Like, he's completely falling off a cliff. But then he beats up Rosie, who you just tried to put over. So I have no idea if this is, I guess, maybe we're going to a Rosie and Rodney Mack feud, uh, which I'm sure will do great business. But I just, this was like a whole baffling thing to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I guess it just shows that they're still going to try and go with Rodney Mack. Um or, you know, maybe they're going to they want to put him over here so Rosie can beat him later. I, I don't know. Yeah, like I'm like you said, I'm confused. I did like seeing Teddy Long get squished by uh, Rosie in the corner. He gave him a big, big running, running splash. Mm-hmm. So uh, I did like seeing that for sure. So um, but yeah, I mean, you're either I mean, it, this is either building towards Mac kind of getting another push or Rosie kind of ended up winning next week maybe and uh you know getting pushed up the card a little bit more as a singles guy but yeah just very confusing stuff right it's just typical for all this time they put absolutely no effort into this lower card stuff like i don't think they know where they're going with this or even care all that much uh, quick off top but if anybody's listening and our logan if you know what would you call this style of shirt or whatever that teddy long is wearing here it's a very distinctive style of coat or shirt or something is very like uh like a shirt mix with a cape but if anybody if there's a term for this type of outfit please let me know because every time i see it i'm like what do you call this like yeah i i, I got nothing I, I know what you're talking about <laughs> but I, I i can't i can't uh like, i can't help on that one <laughs> Would this be considered a zoot suit? What is what is Teddy wearing here? Maybe I'll reach out to Teddy on social media and say, what the hell are you wearing? But anyway. Uh, all right, so let's go to Bubba uh, is backstage. He uh, doing his own investigation. He accuses Evolution of Jumping Dreamer. Um, <laughs> classic Orton, he says, uh, he's like, I was drinking a protein shake. <laughs> it's just I, this, like, I actively popped when he said that. So good. Like Bubba's like, I know it was you guys, and he's like, uh, "What do you mean? I was drinking a protein shake." And later, um, when uh, later when Austin calls him out, Flair's like, "I was on the phone, man." <laughs> and like to their credit, like, why the fuck would they care with Tommy? Why would they attack Tommy Dreamer? Like, like what business do they have with Tommy Dreamer? Like, it's not really what they've been. Like, Evolution is a bit like if they're gonna attack somebody, they're gonna have a reason, not just like bloody him for no apparent reason. That's not really their mo. So. Um, Shocker Bubba looks like a moron, like he always is. Um, but uh, Austin says, um, you know, if they if he has an issue with them, he'll give them a tag match. 
But uh, Devon is not here this week, so he's going to have to find a tag team partner. So mystery partner for Bubba as he'll face Orton in a flare later tonight to settle this conflict that he created because he's a moron. So, um, but uh, like you said, um, not the biggest star to get assaulted, and the trend continues as we find out the second victim of the assailant is Rico. Uh, and uh, he says, so they, then they end the mystery real quick here because they ask him who it is. And he says he thinks it's Kane, which pretty clearly, I mean, it's going to be Kane. It's got to be Kane. It's got to um, be Kane. <laughs> I mean, who the hell else on Raw right now is going to be blooding people? Let's see. Uh, Val Venus? No, don't think so. It's probably the guy who's deranged because he got a mess. So um, pretty much the cat's out of the bag. It's Kane that's assaulting everyone. Can't yeah. tell a shot. Yeah, it was, it was either him or the, but possibly the Frenchman. Maybe they got a little angry. That <laughs> I don't know. I'm just kidding. I know it was definitely right. Kane, no doubt about it. Uh, uh, like I said, it's it was pretty obvious uh, he was letting out his frustrations on on whoever probably walked by him or smiled or told him hey or whatever. They just was like, "Are you laughing at me?" and just you know knocked him out. All right, so we'll see how that plays out in a minute. But before that, we will get to our obligatory mixed tag match of the week. This week, we're going to have new champion Gail Kim is going to be teaming up with uh, Val Venus, and they're going to be facing Victoria, who's still powered up with Steven Richards. So um, they, uh, I was bummed to see her come out with Val. Like immediately, she's like new. She just won the title, and we have to tire her to wash the Val, and she has to like rub all over him. Um, just not thrilled that they stuck Gail Kim with Val Venus for this. Even if it's only for this one match, it's still stupid. Like, it just overshadows her. They're not doing a great job getting her over. But uh, in the match, she looks okay. Like, they're definitely getting over. Like, she's getting over athleticism. Like, uh, a lot of cross crossbody and Rana. Like, the Rana is clearly, her, like, her signature move because she does it multiple times during this match. Um, Steve gets double teamed. He stooges around a little bit. He's able to sneak a DDT in after a uh, Victoria trips, uh, Val things sort of break down here, uh, shortly after. And then Gail comes in and is able to pin Victoria with, like I said, uh, hurricane Rana. So she, she looked all right in this again, not like super impressive. And I don't think like, I would really like to have seen them showcase her in a singles match. I don't know if maybe she's. You know, they don't trust her enough at this point or whatever, but I would like to see her as the new women's champion not being paired up with a dude, especially not Val Venus. So it's kind of lame, but pretty nothing match. Um, um, on a side note, they were having, they're talking about Kane on commentary. And I thought it was interesting at this point that like JR is kind of still giving Kane the benefit of the doubt. Like he doesn't quite believe he's the assailant, like still kind of treating Kane like a face so far, even though they kind of think he's the one who did the assault. So. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out the rest of the night, but I, I want a star on this, Logan. Nothing too impressive. Yeah, I, I want a star as well. Um, I, I felt like Gail seemed kind of unsure of herself uh, on <laughs> some of her offense. I feel like, I won't say she went in slow motion, but I just felt like I could see her think about what she was going to do next. I don't know if that makes sense, but um, I, I just felt like I could see her like, okay, I'm going to do this next. And this is what I, you know, this is the next one after that. Um, I did think, uh, Victoria particularly laid some stuff in. Uh, I thought she did the same thing in the battle Royal last week, actually. So, uh, she must be the, uh, the, uh, 
JBL of the women's division as uh, she kind of roughs up the new kid or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But at one point, Gail slaps the shit out of Stevie. I did enjoy that. Um, and I did like the uh, like little snap Hurricane Rana she hit to win. Um, but the crowd didn't really care much about this. And yeah, like you said, seeing Val be his, her uh, her teammate was kind of disappointing considering like not too long ago he was like Bischoff's little lackey and like we're supposed to just like totally ignore that 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 happened like two or three months ago so um but yeah not 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 too impressive but there were a couple of cool things here and there in that match. yeah because apparently so she started wrestling in 2000 like she debuted late 2000 so she's pretty um new to wrestling so I, i'm assuming they're trying to protect her but it's like a weird deal because like, you could tell they must like her look and her whole, you know, gimmick and everything. Like, mm. just her whole presentation, but don't really trust her in ring. Because so far, she's been in, like, this battle royal, a tag match. Like, they seem a little bit weary of, or leery of putting her in a uh, singles match. So, see if that changes soon. Mm. Well, I mean, and, and the mixed tag is a go-to for the women's division, it seems. Right, of course. Can't <laughs> trust them on their own, Logan, right? That's true. <laughs> all right. So, all right. Trish is backstage getting uh, loosened up as creepy Tess looms over her. Um, he says he's been making a list of chicks and, uh, you know, he knows that she's got the hots for him. And so, uh, uh, maybe she can get some from him. She resists. So he grabs her big knee assaulter is, and out of nowhere, I thought he was gone at this point. Uh, but of all people, Kevin Nash intervenes here and, uh, kind of becomes, uh, her knight in shining armor here. And, uh, it makes test, uh, beg off. And so that kind of sets up a match later between these two. So I had no idea. I thought Nash was gone at this point. Nah, we we have a we have him at least till SummerSlam, I think, uh, which isn't too terribly far away. But um, yeah, we have him for a little bit longer. But him be him being the uh, the protector of uh, Trish Stratus here was definitely a weird role uh, for <laughs> him. Uh, you know, and he gets in his face he's like, "Why don't you pick on somebody bigger than you?" You know, so it's just like. Uh, just for ridiculous and test could just continues to be a sex pest and an assaulter and just a, just a scum of the earth. So uh real bad guy test is what it, I don't understand what it is about WWE when they have Kevin Nash, who's like legit. One of the funniest people in wrestling. Like if you just leave him to his own device, but like anytime he's in WWE, he always ends up being so corny. Like the line you just said, is like so corny. Like, mm. Like, why is it what he's in WWFRE? He's so corny. And everywhere else, he's hilarious and great. It's, yeah. I mean, notice I, I didn't do my Nash impression there because that's like right. not how he talks in this. Yeah. In this, uh, I mean, he's not like cool and kind of laid back like yeah. he always is and all the other ones. So um, it's just, yeah, like like you said, it, it just seems like. Seems like when he's in WWE, he's like an actor trying to play mm-hmm. like what they want him to, uh, and he's not just himself, which is the best version of him. So, right, that's uh, why it never sense. works. It's mm-hmm. Like never works. Like it's just weird, and it, it's happening here too. But we'll, we'll see him fight later. So, all right, let's head to the highlight reel and uh, see Sean. Uh, Address Montreal. So uh, it's kind of a bizarre world here as, of course, all the fans are on Jericho's side here because Sean is the biggest heel here in Montreal. Um, so they're all cheering for Jericho. Uh, he calls the screw job an act of treason. Uh, he shows the footage, of course, again, of the screw job. Uh, they, so after showing the footage, we get a big uh, We Want Brett chant. 
Uh, big heat from the crowd whenever Sean comes out. He gets an asshole chant. He finally grabs the mic, says that he wants to apologize to the fans. Um, and he says what he's actually more sorry for is that they have never gone on with their lives. Uh, so the crowd's real <laughs> pissed at that. They give him a you screwed Brett chant. Uh, Sean says he had a job to do. Uh, Jericho cuts him off. That's a, one of my favorite uh, Jericho lines is calling him a sanctimonious son of a bitch. Um, so Jericho continues to like browbeat him and chew him out about all this. Um, and said, and then HBK calls him out for saying we, and he's like, what do you mean? We, uh, like you're representing Canada. Don't you live in Florida? Uh, and so Sean tells him he needs to defend Canada right now. And of course, Jericho has to make sure he gets some healness out of this. So he starts to drag Canada. He said, it's all about the Benjamins. The Canadian dollar is worthless. Uh, and that's why. <laughs> If, so basically Sean's like, you know, if you want to have a match, you can have a match here. And so he says, he's not going to do it here in the shithole of Canada. He's going to wait for two weeks and do it in Hollywood, baby, because he's all Hollywood. He's all about the Benjamins. Uh, he said, Jericho says, screw Montreal. And, uh, and that's kind of how we end the segment, but it sets up, uh, kind of like a big rematch from WrestleMania, uh, in two weeks when we get to, uh, to LA. So, um, and, this is a weird segment. The role reversal I thought was kind of fun, like having the crowd because Sean's been like pure babyface since he returned for the most part, and like Jericho's a big heel. So that I thought that was there was some novelty there, but I didn't think really anything they got into was all that interesting as far as like anything to do in Montreal. It's just kind of a rehash, but uh, I did like Jericho flipping at the end. I was wondering what they were going to do because I knew he wasn't going to come out of this like he was going to get some heel heat out of this some kind of way so i kind of thought it was fun how he you know they turned into him living in florida but it really wasn't a whole lot to do with montreal honestly that part of it wasn't all that interesting yeah the the the, you know i it was it was funny to see you know jericho kind of flip there at the end but other than that it wasn't wasn't too much going on here. I don't even really feel like they i mean they booed sean but they didn't boo him as hard as i feel like they should slash would have normally um I, I do feel like they booed him but i just don't feel like they like just really let him have it like uh they kind of should have at, at certain points but um yeah jericho flipping uh you know being the consummate canadian the whole time and then at the end he blames it on the fact that the economy in montreal <laughs> sucks he's just like oh the economy's terrible the canadian dollar is worthless in montreal so i love that that's what he uh decided to re- be the reason that he didn't want to be in canada anymore it was all, uh, that was that was his reasoning for not wanting to wrestle uh sean there uh but yeah hollywood in a couple of weeks uh we'll get a big WrestleMania rematch, so uh, that that'll be an interesting one to see when that happens. Yeah. And I think that's Raw, Raw before Vengeance, so uh, it's kind of p- promoting a big match for that week uh, ahead of the pay per view. Yeah, good point because Raw's kind of got to do something to keep this churning because they got a little while to go before their next big show. So good point. Yeah, fine segment, but nothing like you know, definitely not anything to get too hyped about. All right, we uh we catch up with Coach. He's doing some journalism, so maybe a little sensationalist journalism here as he catches up with Austin and asks him about the quote rampage that's been going on. Uh, so, pretty heavy words from Coach. Uh, so uh, we follow Austin and Kane is lurking in his office. 
Uh, Kane wants to quit, apparently. Awesome tells him he needs to be a monster in the ring, not backstage, and unleash that on his opponents. Um, and he kind of gives him the same thing that Eric said and tells him he's got to go out there tonight or he's fired. Um, Kane kind of looks at him and uh, walks away, doesn't really give too much of a response, but he, like, uh, runs his hand over the wall as he leaves, and it leaves kind of like some bloody fingerprints on the wall. And, uh, like, uh, the, the funny part about this is, like, Kane's becoming, like, this murderous lunatic, basically, like, blooding all these people. And Austin's argument is, like, this is your job, Kane. It's like, I'm, I'm not sure how much Kane really cares about his employment right now. Like, he's uh, <laughs> on the verge of turning into, like, a murderer or, like, you know, a truly, like, insane person. Like, I don't know if the best argument is, like, this is your job, Kane. Come on. <laughs> think about Think about the money. We're trying to motivate you, you son of a, you, you burnt son of a bitch. Right. He's like uh, lurking with a towel over his head, like blooding people. And we're going to use that to try and bring him back. Yeah, we're, we're talking about motivation instead of, you need help, kid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> go seek some help and we'll, we'll we'll bring you back in a couple of weeks when you uh, aren't a fucking lunatic. But yeah, uh, motivation is uh, definitely the way to go, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure that will work out swimmingly for you uh, later on, uh, Mr. Austin. So yeah, not, not, the, not the best speech here. I kind of do like the, I think they're doing an okay job with the Canes, like descent into madness sort of thing. I I think they're doing okay with that. Like with them assaulting the people in the blood. And like, um, it's definitely a step up from the, the, uh, semi burnt hair when he first revealed the mask (laughs) off. Like, uh, we'll see how it progresses. If maybe we get to a line where it gets hokey, but I think right now it's, it's within the, it's like, he's not full on like horror (laughs) villain yet. Yeah. I mean, you, like a, hmm? yeah, I mean, you could tell that it seems like he wants to still be, you know, the cane that he was, but it, it, he just doesn't believe in the fact that the people aren't going to make fun of him or think he looks awful or what, whatever. Uh, so you, you, there's still that thought that he, he could still be the cane that he was, but um, he just doesn't believe that the people are going to accept him. Yeah, it's at least like one of the more interesting things on the show right now. I'll give him that. Yep, for sure. All right. All right. We'll go to the uh, the battle of the big men here. It's going to be Kevin Nash versus Test. Um, Barn burner Test incoming. Is, <laughs> right. Like anytime you go and face Triple H and like bomb, you, you face Test after. Like Scott Steiner stuck with Test. Now Nash, like his feud kind of flamed out with Triple H. Now he's got to be stuck with Test. So, uh, yeah. Um, Nash lays in some Nash moves, the knee in the corner. Tess throws him into the post. Uh, Tess goes for taking off the buckle pad. Trish comes down to kind of distract him. But uh, uh, so he gets thrown to Kev. And uh, so uh, actually Kev, Nash tries to go and help Trish. And uh, in the fracas, he ends up taking a big boot from Tess. And uh, he actually loses to Tess. So again, there's his punishment, the Steiner treatment. Uh, so Tess starts pushing her around and gets thrown off the apron and takes a pretty nasty bump. But uh, yeah, not a whole lot to like about. I mean, the match was absolutely nothing. Like, not a whole lot happening here. And uh, I was, this kind of sucks for Trish. Like, she was like the anchor of the women's division, like the star of it. And now she just, they're kind of using her as like a generic damsel in distress in a. <laughs> In a conflict between Kevin Nash and Tess, so I don't, I don't think that's the best use of Trish Stratus either. So, I went half a star on this. This kind of sucked. 
I went big old dud ski on this race. It was <laughs> awful. Um, Nash just went from world title contender to uh, having an awful match, uh, awful short, terrible match with Test and losing on top of that. So um, nothing better than celebrating a woman beater by letting him win, and then after the match, beating the beating the woman yet again uh, and hurting her. Um, you know it. Well, Trish has a match later, as we'll talk about, but I think that was pretty much only to set up the fact that she was kind of hurt going into that. So, you know, obviously uh, we'll get into it, but I, I think this was basically to like, you know, put her at a disadvantage in the match later. So just ridiculous and so bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not not spice up the show to Kevin Nash test for you. Pretty mm, bad. All right. All right. We had to Booker T. He's celebrating uh, within an interview with Terry. He's all smiles and cheerful. And then uh, he basically at the end says, later, all right, I'm hitting the town and you're coming with me, Terry. And Terry kind of goes along with him. So, uh, like, OK, <laughs> right. Which I was like, damn, Booker, that's uh, that's your boy Goldness ex-wife there. It's a little messy, man. Mm-hmm. But I guess he don't give a fuck because he's Booker T. <laughs> But uh, yeah, pretty. It was all right. I mean, it's just Booker celebrating. Yeah, he was real fired up. Pretty much, uh, pretty much full of Shawn Michaels that said he found his smile uh, by finally uh, winning the IC title. So, uh, <laughs> he uh, he uh, did that for sure. <laughs> and they hit up the Montreal nightlife. Oh yeah, I'm sure it's uh, a rousing uh, town, uh, old, old Montreal. I'm sure Mark Poirier will uh, get after me on that one. So uh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we go to another some real random matches on this. It's going to be Chris Jericho versus Mark Jindrak. So this is the chance that he's getting from uh, from Stone Cold from earlier. Uh, he Jericho takes advantage early, goes for the lion salt, but misses it and hits the knees. Um, to me, Jindrak didn't look bad, but he looked like every other recent guy when they're presented as a rookie. Like he's doing the same. Yep. Like he's got to have a drop kick. You know that same sort of thing. We've seen it with. You know, Randy Orton, when he first came in as a face, kind of seen was the same way. Uh, who do we just see on uh, SmackDown? Orlando Jordan. Like, they all have the kind of same look and the same moveset. And Mark Jindrak is, it's like, you could see them training these guys to all like, all right, you're a rookie. This is what you should do. You do a drop kick, you do a cross body, you move quick. You got a lot of spunk. And that's pretty much your, but it starts to become very generic when they all do the same thing. So, uh uh, Jericho goes for the walls, but uh, Jindrak powers out. He's got that leg strength Logan to be able to power out, as JR tells us. <laughs> um, we get a, a springboard clothesline by Jindrak, but Jericho gets a low blow and uses that to steal the victory. So, again, Jindrak looked fine, but he also didn't look like anything. He didn't do anything special or really look unique in any way. And uh, it kind of felt like just a match to get Jericho a little warm up and uh, to heat him up for that that match we talked about earlier in a couple of weeks. So star and a half, basically uh, a step above a squash for Jericho. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably go star and a half as well. Um, yeah. Like you said, mostly just a match to kind of get Jericho over. Um, I don't, I won't say like, like exa- almost exactly like you said, I don't think Jindrak was like super duper impressive, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I didn't think he looked terrible at the same time. Um, 
make you know, just really generic, kind of like you said. He had those basic few moves that, you know, the, those guys that you mentioned uh, have all kind of hit when they first debuted and seemed kind of real milk toast at first. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Jin Jack, like with O'Hare, I mean, I feel like they've been in the company since WCW got bought, and it seems like they both have every attribute that Vince would mm-hmm. ever want to see. Uh, but for some reason, they're just now getting featured on TV. And as we'll see, um, obviously O'Hare, I think, is mostly done at this point. Uh, but Jindrak doesn't particularly hang around uh, a ton. But, uh, I mean, it's just crazy to think that both of those guys uh, were super over kind of towards the end of WCW. And um, they've got they've that chiseled bodies and they're huge and they like they're good looking dudes. So I just mm-hmm. incredible to me that neither of them really panned out. Uh, but we'll we'll talk about them more as we go for sure. So, or especially Jim. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's like they they present them almost like tough enough guys. And like you said, they're not. Like these are guys with experience that are talented. They're athletes. Like it, it's interesting to see back then because you can see. I mean, you're the biggest NXT person I know. Like I feel like you could see the night and day of what they do with these kind of guys now compared to what you see in this era, where they kind of just get nothing out of them where i feel like you've had a gin and o'hare now they would really do a lot more with them in like current and like modern day wwe it just seems how shows you how much better they are at developing guys than they were back then mm-hmm. yeah and i i think the i think the pc did a lot for that and and you know them taking that a lot more seriously nowadays and uh kind of you know cultivating a lot of those uh you know, athletes that they've uh, a lot of the athletes that they've taken in more recently and stuff like that and kind of figuring out what they're good at and kind of, you know, focusing on that strength. Um, it's kind of the old ECW uh, way of way of thinking, like, you know, uh, not not a ton of those guys were great wrestlers, but, you know, Paul Heyman seemed to find a way to uh, get them to get them to work out. But uh, Vince or whoever at this point just wasn't really good at that, it seemed like. Yeah, he probably thought they had the WCW stink on him. Yeah, I mean, I, it might have been something a little bit, a bit about that. Like, you just, you know, oh, these were WCW guys. Who cares about them? <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> All, right. All right, so we had the Trish. This is going to be a match. Like you mentioned earlier, Logan, she's selling the bump from earlier. She's going to be facing Molly. Um, and this is a, a pretty dominant performance by Molly because they're going off the Trish injury from earlier. Um, but I did like Molly's aggression throughout this. She jumps her quickly, locks in a chin lock. Uh, and it made sense for the situation. Like Molly's going to be aggressive knowing that Trish is already weakened. Um, she hits a neck breaker, but uh, Trish is able to survive that. Um, I thought it's a lot of victim blaming going on from King, uh, saying that uh, the reason that Trish got pushed off, she, like she knew what she was doing. She was up on the apron where her puppy's out. Like, so, uh, God. <laughs> Pretty rough from King. Trish finally gets a roll up and a backslide out of desperation, but that's not enough. And uh, Molly comes back with a shoulder breaker and uh, a nice little uh, neck stretch submission ends up getting Trish to tap. So um, it made sense. Uh, And apparently this gets Molly a title shot, which I don't know if they even said going into the match. But I gave it two stars because it made sense. I mean, I thought Molly was good in this. Trish played a role well. She sold well for being injured. And it all kind of made sense what what the angle was coming into the match. So I thought they did a pretty good job with that. And Molly could be a good person for Gail. I'm assuming Gail's probably going to win. Um, but I think Molly is a good person to go in there, like we said earlier. And if she's going to have a singles match, like Molly's experience and could probably carry her through it if, if needed. 
Yeah, ab- absolutely. And how dare you skip the uh, announcement of Maven versus Triple H on Heat this weekend uh, before the <laughs> How dare well, you? Uh, <laughs> no, but it was a really uh, smartly worked match by Molly. Um, like you said, she immediately goes for the neck. Um, I, I felt like they actually got a good bit of time, which is usually a problem. I mean, it probably didn't super go super long, but I feel like for a women's match, they got a good bit of time. Uh, and they used the time well, like you said. Solid back and forth. Um, Molly, like I said, worked a super smart match, uh, focusing on the neck and shoulder that tested her earlier. So it's yeah, just a really smartly worked match. And, uh, like, like I said, they got more time than I feel like they usually do. So uh, I'll go two stars as well. Cause, uh, I thought it was uh, a good performance by Molly for sure. All right. We find out that Kane, uh, we've Kane says he agrees with Austin, but it's not really clear if he agrees that, you know, He's going to look like he should quit his job or he's going to show his face. You're not really sure what way he's going with it. So we'll find out later, but we'll get our main event match of the night. Uh, it's going to be the tag we mentioned earlier. It's going to be Bubba in a mystery partner versus evolution. And uh, in this case, it's going to be Flair and Orton. And we find out that Bubba's partner is RVD. So not the most, you know, surprising choice there. <laughs> Um, yeah, he, he, he does have a beef with them after last week, so, you know. Great. Uh, so, I, the, ran, the the Evolution uh, Tron video cracks me up because it's got, like, that one shot where it's, like, Randy Orton just, like, licking the girl's neck. Like, <laughs> it's, like, so over the top. Uh, like, in the, like, champagne room or whatever the fuck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, the Randy character is growing on me. He's, like, just protein shakes. He's licking the girls in the video. It's uh, It's kind of amazing. What a heathen. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. So we start off with RVD and Orton. Uh, uh, RVD gets the early momentum, but uh, Flair sneaky tactics uh, give Orton the advantage. And so from this point on, they start going after RVD's legs. Uh, Flair gets in, lays the chops in. Flair locks him in the figure four. Um, he's able to counter out of that with the spinning heel, and he gets a little bit of life. RVD does. Bubba finally gets the the hot tag. I say the hot tag, but he gets absolutely no reaction. The crowd was <laughs> fairly dead throughout this match, uh, which was a real problem when they're trying to work. Because this is a real formula tag match, which is nothing wrong with that. But I feel like you really rely a lot on the crowd popping for the hot tags and stuff. And they really weren't on this. Um, Bubba comes in, backdrops everyone. But eventually they kind of get the two-on-one on him. And he, that overwhelms Bubba. So then he tags in Rob again. Rob goes for the five-star, but Orton cuts him off. But then Spike makes a surprise appearance and neutralizes that. Um, and we get a wicked five-star frog splash on Flair. And RVD actually picks up the win. So um, nice little win for RVD. It's kind of funny that RVD got the pin, even though Bubba's the one that started it. Um, so that kind of popped me. But, uh, yeah, to me, I thought what they did was totally fine. It was like a pretty straightforward formula tag match, like with the early stuff, working over the leg, which I thought they did a good job. Obviously, that's Flair's forte, and I thought Orton Orton did the same and kind of followed his lead. And uh, I thought the frog splash was really nice on the finish. It's just the crowd just did not care for it, like, at all. Like, even with the faces winning, like, RVD didn't get much of a reaction. They just did not give much of a fuck, and I thought it kind of hurt it. So I I went two and a half. It was just kind of... The, the lack of heat really hurt it, I thought. Yeah, I, I went 
I went two and a quarter. Um, I didn't have uh, RVD being the one that would get worked over for most of the match on my bingo card. I figured that would have <laughs> probably been Bubba and RVD would have been the hot tag. But like you said, Bubba ends up being the hot tag is uh, probably one of the dumbest thing considered uh, <laughs> the other three people in the in the in the match uh, and who his teammate is. Uh, however, RVD is. Um, but of course, Bubba comes in and absolutely dominates uh, both guys while he's in, uh, of course. And then, of all people, Spike uh, comes out and provides the distraction uh, for, so they can get the win. But yeah, I, I like the five star Frog Smash a good bit. But yeah, real formulaic tag. Uh, nothing too impressive was uh, happening throughout the match because, like I said, Orton and Flair pretty much dominate uh, RVD the whole time. So uh, nothing they do at this point is uh, super, super interesting or uh you know in real hard hitting or anything like that they just do a lot of rest holds and uh like a lot of strikes kind of like we were talking about earlier but uh yeah not much going on in this one yeah pretty unimpressive night in ring wise which is typical on wrong but i felt this week i mean we didn't even crack much above <laughs> i mean i think you got i think you went three on booker t and Christian, maybe, or close. I went two and three quarters, but yeah, two that was three as, quarters, high, as yeah. high as either of us went on anything. So, yeah, not not a great end ring show here. Um, so with that we'll get to, I guess, our true main event, which is not a match. It's going to be Austin confronting Kane. So he comes to the ring, he brings Kane out, and Kane, like I said earlier, he gets a big face reaction. So even with the, you know, <laughs> like, Don gives a shit that he beat up Rico and Tommy Dreamer and like tried to kill him. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but anyway, Austin tries to tell him the crowd doesn't get, I love this. that he's like, he like clearly like assaulted these people where they had to be taken to the hospital. And like, he, like we said earlier, it's more like a motivation that he's like, come on, man. I don't want you to be murdering people back there. Like he's not getting punished. He's like, the crowd Murder doesn't care. Here. <laughs> yeah. It's like the crowd doesn't care what you look like. We all accept you. And, uh, and he says, it's time for him to go higher than ever. Austin says that chokeslamming Eric was great. And in fact, he thought it was. Uh, this is a very awesome thing. He says it wasn't hysterical. He thought it was funny, which is kind of like hysterical means it's more than funny, but often <laughs> reverses that. Uh, it's even funnier than funny. <laughs> right. Uh, Kane misinterprets that and thinks that Austin's called him funny. And uh, and he rips the towel off his head and uh, reveals himself to the crowd, I think, for the first time since he was unmasked, really. And um, so Austin's like, no, no, uh, that's not what I'm saying, Kane. And Kane continues to yell him, you said you weren't going to make fun of me. And then in a very shocking turn, he lays out Austin um, and um, gets physical with him. Austin starts to fight back. In desperation, he gets a chair. He hits Kane and bloodies him, uh, hits a stunner. And it seems he starts to celebrate with the beer. But Kane immediately sits up and choke slams Austin. And we kind of closed the show with Kane. Everybody kind of in shock that Austin just got assaulted by Kane. So um, I thought overall this was effective. I mean, to me, the I mean, I guess I know he's supposed to be crazy, but he, it's like him saying it was funny when you choke slam. He's like, so you think I'm funny? It's like hard to be <laughs> like, how do you misinterpret that? But I guess he's insane at this point. But uh, I did think Austin getting physical, like seemed like a big deal. Like I wasn't expecting that necessarily. Yeah. Like I thought that was a good kind of, if they want to continue to push, like the Kane has no boundaries because we don't, we haven't really seen that. Or if Austin gets physical, he's always, you know, giving out the punishment. He's never receiving it. So I thought it was a nice use because they do that so sparingly or never since he's been GM. I thought it, it made it at least seem more legit and more chaotic having Austin actually 
get choke slammed here. So I thought that was pretty well done. Again, I think them building Kane as this monster and like his descent into madness has actually been done pretty decently so far. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I, th- I think Kane is just kind of triggered by anything that has the word funny or make fun or, uh, you know, it's just like a it's like a word trigger for him. Like, you know, anything that is like that, uh, he thinks it's somehow uh, making fun of him or something like that. So I think this is like just a little hair trigger thing that he has going on. Um, but yeah, Austin, uh, really kind of kicks his ass for a little bit there, um, and glazes him out pretty much, uh, and, um, you know, it takes Kane sitting up and, you know, Austin kind of being distracted by wanting to start a beer bash, and then he turns around and, uh, bloody Kane, uh, chokeslams him, of course, uh, but nice little visual, um, to, to go off, uh, you know, he's kind of standing over a prone Austin, just bleeding from the chair shot, so, uh, a good little brawl for sure. Um, I, you know, I I do think it a little bit makes Kane kind of look like a bitch because he kind of got worked over mm-hmm. by a guy that's supposed to be retired. Um, but he, I mean, he does end up on top, so that that is important. Um, but and I think it's just you know the start of an evolution for his character. So, uh, but we'll see as we go forward how how that continues to build. Yeah, I took it. I didn't mind it as much because it's Austin. They kind of make it like Austin Superman, and like yeah, he can stutter anyone. Doesn't matter who it is. So uh, I kind of took it as that. But to me, this yeah. was the highlight of the show. As we kind of wrap up the show, this was kind of the best moment of the show, and really the only thing of any real value <laughs> this entire show. I mean, the Booger T one was all right, but it just felt like a little too little too late on that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so I ended up going three out of ten on this raw. Like we said, really no good matches. Mm-hmm. Like really the Kane stuff and Booker T is really the only redeeming. There was a lot of actively bad with the test and Kevin Nash stuff. This is a real rough raw. <laughs> yeah, I, I might go four, just go slightly higher because I think I enjoyed that uh opener a little bit better than you did. Um but the ending scene was good. Uh Trish and Molly was pretty impressive, but other mm-hmm. than those three things uh, pretty fuddy duddy and uh, gross raw for the most part. So, um, yeah, it, it had some good stuff, but mostly, mostly bad, uh, as per usual, it seems like. And, and by the end, I think they had killed the crowd too. Like in that tag match at the end, the crowd was completely checked out. Yeah, I think you're definitely correct. Didn't help. All right, let's move over uh, to another part of Canada. Then we'll go to Toronto. For the uh, July 10th, 2003 uh, SmackDown. Um, and we find out tonight Zach Gowan will sign his contract that he earned last week. Um, but to open our show, it's going to be our good buddy, Kurt. Kurt. Uh, he, gives a pre- he starts off on a pretty generic promo about winning the title back and how he's going to regain it, yada, yada. He's cut off by John Cena. John and Cena says that the... Uh, Says uh, they're calling it a triple threat, but he thinks the main that main event's going to be a menage a trois. So, uh, <laughs> typical gay joke from Cena in this era. He says that uh, him and Taker's going to be the real main event. They have a bit of a stare down. Um, and Angle says, "Wow, it's a miracle. They finally found someone in WWE that's wider than him." Um, <laughs> it gives Cena some props in ring, and he says he's just like Cena. He likes to kick it freestyle. Um, he steals Cena's hat, and. Uh, Cena calls him a wannabe Kojak. Um, <laughs> so um, Kurt brings in uh, Brian Hebner 
to start doing the beatboxing, which we have we discovered a while back that Brian Hebner's the human beatbox. Um, so Kurt starts to go at it. He says, "My name's Kurt Angle. What the heck? I want a gold medal with a broken freaking neck." <laughs> Uh, is dancing to him. like it's killing me. It's the finest thing ever. He is like yeah. the most white, uh, middle aged dad ever, uh, in this segment for sure. Yeah, very Elaine dancing here. Uh, Cena grabs the hat back, uh, and he says that Kurt never, uh, he doesn't know anything about thugonomics. Kurt gives him a hug and says he made sure in hugonomics. <laughs> um, and then what I always love with Kurt is that he, I love what he does this, but at the last moment, he's still doing the rap thing, but he gets super serious. And he says something about like, uh, you're full of crap and I'll make you tap and like looks him dead in the face. So I always love when he's doing the goofy stuff, when he kind of wraps it up and then reminds you that he's a badass. Some of my favorite things about Kurt, about Kurt, Kurt. <laughs> uh, but then big show interrupts. Uh, and while, you know, Kurt's reacting to big show, Cena jumps him and they, they lay out angle and uh, that's kind of how we close this segment with the heel standing tall in this. But um, Cena was good in this. Kurt was awesome. He's always hilarious when they give him this goofy shit to do. Um, he's just one of the most naturally funny people ever. Just something about him is amazing. Like the, the dancing was great. The hugonomics thing. Um, this is a good <laughs> opening segment. I was highly entertained. Yeah, a- Angle is just, this is top-notch Angle stuff here. He's just, he's so naturally funny. I I, I can't imagine how he was, like, uh, riding the roads, uh, riding, like, the trips from arena to arena and stuff like that and just hanging out with him backstage and all that kind of stuff because he's so funny in these segments just because just like just the this the stuff he says is so stupid but it's so it's so hilarious at the same time but um yeah i think Cena held his own at the same time i think his opening uh rap was pretty good um but i, I do like the line where he said they found he found somebody whiter than him and then he proceeds to be the most white human being in the world with those dance moves that he had pulled out um but yeah it was it was to set up a uh, big show kind of getting one over on uh on on angle uh which is uh something that he'll do throughout the night so they're really trying to build big joe up as the uh the most feared part of this three-way that we're going to get at vengeance it really shows how much confidence they're starting to have in cena where it's like he's not really involved with kurt right now but they're like look we want an entertaining promo to open the show and they kind of trust him to go out there and to be able to hang with with angle and and do this and be entertaining. So you're really starting to see them. You could tell they're getting behind them and they have, they're building more and more trust in him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're definitely buying in for sure. It definitely seems. All right. So we go to our, so we're going to have a four way number one contenders match for the tag team title. So we're going to have, um, um, what a list, the FBI, the Basham brothers, Billy Kidman and Ray Mysterio in the APA, the recently returned APA. It's quite a random assortment of teams <laughs> here. Uh, so uh, the way this match kind of goes is that it's a lot of you have Ray and Billy Kidman kind of bouncing around at the beginning, getting um, you know bumped around by the other two team by the other teams. Um, I thought the Bashams looked pretty good in this. They had a nice tilt to Warrow in the early going. Um, pretty soon we get the um, the FBI and the APA based on the Undertaker drama. They start brawling the ramp and they end up going backstage. I thought the stuff backstage actually looked pretty good. Like, um, yeah, like really I thought those were around. 
Yeah, it was pretty cool. Like, kind of did the split screen and showed us what was going on back there. So I thought that was good. And I, th- I th- also thought it was a good decision for the match to not make the match so cumbersome. Like, you kind of had them in the first in there, like the APA and FBI. So APA can kind of – so Ray and uh, Kidman can bounce around a little bit. But I thought it was smart to them focus on the Bashams. And it gives them a good chance to kind of, like, as a newer team, like, look, if you're going to look good in with anybody, you should look good with these two guys, with Ray and, and Kidman. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought they did like, um, you know, like is a good dynamic as the crowd gets really hype when Kidman and Ray bust out all their flurries, all their acrobatic maneuvers. Um, I thought Kidman looked really crisp in this in his return. Uh, he was real good. He goes for the shooting star and Shaniqua stops it. Um, he knocks, I said, Basham number two off. I'm not sure who it was. <laughs> and it must have been, it must have been uh, Doug because then I think Danny makes the save. Or yeah, at least that's, that's what they, mm-hmm. yes, they said on commentary. Um, but yeah, they were feisty in this, and this is the best they've looked for me. And uh, and so they actually have a bit of an advantage, but out of nowhere, Ray is able to set up the 619 and hit that and take the win. But uh, yeah, all in all, I thought this was a, um, a, a pretty good little match. Like, I like the way they set this up. I thought the brawling stuff backstage was kind of a cool visual. And, uh, yeah, I thought they sh- laid this out pretty well. Kidman and Ray are awesome. Uh, Kidman looked good in this. And the Bashams are feisty. Like, they hung with Ray. They were a perfect base for Kidman and Ray to do their thing. So I enjoyed this, and I'm looking forward. I think it'll be a fun title match to have um, World's Greatest Tag Team against Ray and Kidman. Sounds like a pretty banger match. So three stars for me. Pretty good little opening match. Yeah, I actually went three stars as well. Um, I Like... <laughs> Like we've learned throughout this spot, apparently I'm a huge uh, Rey Mysterio fan, but uh, that does not uh, exclude this match because I I thought they did really well uh, uh, in this one. Um, Rey gets hit with a uh, kind of toss-up gut buster that Stimboli hits towards the uh, beginning of the match, and I thought the kind of sell and uh, that move uh, looked really impressive. I thought it was really good. I do think, like you said, it was very smart that they took out uh, APA and FBI. As you kind of think neither of them are really going to win maybe maybe apa would sneak it or you know come in and sneak it out Mm. there at the end but you know it was kind of kind of good to see them like take take each other out and go back and brawl uh, and kind of like chuck each other around the locker room kind of like we said um there's a cool spot where mysterio and kidman kind of hit stereo dives uh out onto the bashams i thought that was good um uh, there was a nice uh, twisting power slam that Doug hit on on Kidman, I believe. Um, and, uh, but I was surprised towards the end that the uh, shooting star press didn't finish it. Uh, as they kind of talk about, that's how uh, Kidman got hurt, which is why he's been out for a while. Uh, so I'm I'm kind of surprised that they didn't let that be the finish. But uh, Ray pulls it out with six one nine, like you said. But yeah, really solid tag and a really good match to open up SmackDown for sure. Might be some of these Bashams, maybe they're. Mm-hmm. Not a lost cause. <laughs> but I, like, well, like you said, I think they're good when they're in there with a, a person that can kind of use them as a base and uh, really, uh, really do their stuff. Right. All right. So we go back to backstage and we have uh, the buddies, Kurt and Brock, arguing over like, like Kurt's getting iced down and he's up. He's pissed off because Brock didn't come out there to help him when he was getting attacked. And they just, I don't know, they continue to just have these weird, awkward conversations. Like, as much as Angle can pull this stuff off, this is not Brock's forte. Like, because it's not really funny. Like, it's not goofy enough to be funny. And it's not serious either, really. It's just kind of goofy always. It's just, it's awkward. That's the best way I could describe it, is awkward. 
more Brock and Kurt flirting, uh, as we discussed in the <laughs> previous episode. Um, and uh, Angle is apparently prepping for a uh, colonoscopy as well, as he has been over a table <laughs> for this entire segment. So uh, he's uh, prepping for somebody to go into his ass. So maybe it'll be Brock <laughs> after some uh, good flirting. I mean, they have been flirting it's for nice two, there, Kurt. two, two, two whole nice. weeks now. <laughs> I know. I'm just. I'm just messing. But he he was like awkwardly bent over for this whole thing on the medical table. That's what I'm saying. What are they icing down there, Carl? Yeah, What's that's true. A choke slammed on your butthole. Like, eh, we'll see. Maybe maybe, maybe something interesting is going to happen when they take the camera off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And a sign that they have nothing to fill the show. We uh, they pull out the old replay an entire segment from the previous week as we see them play the whole Zach Gowan victory. The entire match from last week, which um, obviously we cover already, so we won't talk about that again. And then we go to um, Stephanie coming out with some fantastic bangs to uh, to uh, have Zach come out and uh, sign his contract. Old Gallon comes out. He thanks Angle, Steph, Brock, and most of all, he thanks the fans for seeing him to his dream. They are his inspiration. So he signs the contract, and right as he does that, Vince's music hits. Um, he comes down. He's obviously pissed off. He says, everyone is proud. He's like, I'm proud of everyone. My daughter, proud of her for slapping me. Such a good daughter. Um, and he's also proud that he's got a new superstar that had to be assisted to win. <laughs> um, the <laughs> emphasis on assisted got me. Um, and he, But he says, uh, tonight there will be a handicap match. It's going to be Brock versus World's Greatest Tag Team and Big Show. So I never really thought, but I think this is the first time they say it. So I never really realized that is, I guess it's Vince that kind of dubs him that, which I guess makes sense. Cause he probably might've came up with that as their name, but it's fun that like he's dubbing them out here and that ends up being their name. So that's a nice bit of a, not synergy, but I just forgot that I never realized maybe that he had come up with the name and said it. But anyway, meanwhile, Zach Gowan has to face Vince at vengeance. Uh, and so Vince is very maniacal and excited about this. He says he might do it with one t- arm tied behind his back and maybe he'll do it with one leg. And he starts hobbling around. Maybe I'll do it blindfolded. Uh, um, but as they're doing this, uh, as he's about to leave, Sable smacks the absolute shit out of Stephanie <laughs> with the clipboard that the contract was on. And uh, and so we kind of end the segment on that. And Vince acts shocked, even though he's kind of smiling as he sees Stephanie get laid out. So um, I think at least I like that we're coming to a head. Vince was kind of fun in this, being crazy, um, kind of getting his revenge because he kind of showed a lot of ass last week. So um, I at least like that we seem to be getting to the culmination of this before it drags on for too long. Hogan's gone, so now we just have Zach Gowan. He's going to have the match with Vince. You can kind of see the end the where this is heading to yeah yeah you've kind of seen where that this may have come to a head uh at the at the pay-per-view uh for a few weeks now it seems like you know uh hogan's or not hogan uh vince is especially going in on uh zach a lot over the last few weeks um and he announces the handicap match and when he says handicap he kind of coyly looks at zach (laughs) and i thought that was like just like the most vince thing ever Uh, but that is that is really cool uh that it seems like uh vince was kind of the person who came up with the world's greatest tag team uh kind of name i mean i'm sure some writer in the back you know came up with it and told him to say it but you know it it, that like on screen he seems to be the person that uh first first says it so um that is definitely a cool little uh trivia spot that you could you could point out 
Um, but yeah, I thought it was a good segment. Um, got over Vince being insane, like you said. Um, and that that clipboard shot was just absolutely brutal, and it made a really loud cracking noise. So that uh, that came across really well. Right, but Stephanie's not going to take a line now because as we cut backstage and we see Vincent (laughs) Sable about to celebrate, Stephanie flies in the frame out of nowhere and attacks Sable and tackles her onto the ground and starts smacking her, um, just screeching and screeching like, I'll kill you, Sable! I hate you, I hate you! Just over and over uh, again. (laughs) Yeah, the officials have to restrain her. And so Vince is pissed off. He says, you know what? If this is what you want, Stephanie, you can face Sable um, at the pay-per-view. So kind of sets up the second part of this. So they're putting a lot of stock in this on the pay-per-view. I mean, it's definitely getting the most build of anything. So um, I guess they're trying to get the most of it. Um, Are you surprised they didn't make it a tag? Right. It, it would seem that way. I, I wonder what it is. I guess Vince probably has too many insane ideas for the, his match that maybe he didn't want them involved in that. I, it's a good point. Maybe they, I don't know if they just wanted to kill time or whatever, but it does seem like it could have been a tag, right? Yeah. I mean, and they probably just want to fill a pay-per-view card too. They, they can, you know, they can split it and have two matches instead of one and uh, kind of pay off multiple parts of a, of, of the same feud. Uh, in two matches instead of one, but you know it. If it had been a cross-branded pay-per-view, they definitely probably would have uh, mm-hmm. probably would have done a tag here. But um, they obviously go in another direction. Right. So Sable stuff. We'll see how how that goes. Um, I, I think this brawl might be better than the match ends up being. Her attacking her. Yeah, or or the match <laughs> needs to be exactly like this brawl. Right. Mm-hmm. The screaming was just so. <laughs> it was a lot. <laughs> All right, so we get we get a lot of things. So this next match, so we're going to get Matt Hardy and Shannon Moore, who we thought were com- on the outs. They have uh, they they quickly like uh, cover this in commentary and say that they reconcile them velocity, which sounds about right. Uh, <laughs> but they're going to be facing Benoit and Rhino. So we have two teams that we thought broke up. Like Benoit and Rhino have been were pissed at each other like a month ago, and but they keep teaming with each other. And then he officially kicked out Shannon Moore, but now they're back together, I guess, because they don't know what to do with <laughs> Shannon Moore or Matt Hardy anymore. But anyway, our Matt facts is that Matt lost his virginity at uh, 17, and he's never had earrings. So there's your uh, Matt facts. <laughs> um, anyway, Matt and Shannon get clubbed early on. Matt lands a side effect to come back. The MFers take over. Uh, Shannon Moore gets like a Cobra Clutch-looking variation, which is a very random move for Shannon Moore. Not really one you'd expect him to be doing. Uh, Benoit gets in there, and as usual, he's laying his shit in real stiff. uh, Snaps off some suplexes. Things finally break down, and we get Matt hitting the twist of fate, but Benoit recovers, and uh, he uh, gets Shannon Moore with the uh, crossface, and uh, Rhino cuts off Matt trying to make the save, and then... uh, Benoit ends up tapping out Shannon Moore. And this really was just a match to build up to Benoit versus Matt, which I believe is going to be in the U.S. tournament. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of really the whole point of this. So I think that's why you had so much fuckery with them saying, like, all of a sudden he's back with Shannon Moore because they didn't want – they didn't want to do Matt and Benoit, but they wanted to remind us that. So two stars, totally fine match. I mean, these are all guys who can go. Just a, a tune-up match for these two pretty much. 
Yeah, I went two and a quarter. I, I totally don't believe that Matt lost his virginity at seventeen. Definitely don't. Definitely don't believe that one. Um, <laughs> there was a chop chop block that uh, uh, Matt does on Rhino earlier that looked kind of nasty. Like Rhino kind of wasn't expecting it, so it kind of looked like he actually took his knee out uh, at the beginning. Um, I thought the beginning of the match was very fast paced, um, and then Hardy and uh, Moore kind of did a good job wearing Rhino down. Um, Rhino does a nice little flapjack into the turnbuckle that I thought looked particularly uh, brutal um, at one point. And like you said, Benoit comes in when he gets the tag and absolutely wrecks shop. Um, he hits the flying uh, headbutt about three quarters across, three quarters of the way across the ring. So he leaps almost from completely from side to side. So um, I thought the gore that Rhino hit to kind of cut Hardy off towards the end was really good. And then obviously, like you said, Benoit kind of plays possum on a pin and ends up turning it into a crossface so they can win. But yeah, uh, not a bad tag. Uh, but like you said, kind of a tune up for that uh, U.S. title tournament match they have next week. All right. All right. We go back to the two the two buddies, Brock and Kurt. They're talking about the three on match later, uh, and Brock says something about, "Well, this is what they do. I'm the champ. I overcome all the odds because I'm the champ, Kurt." Um, and Angle says that he's gonna he's gonna have his back uh, later on because he doesn't want him to have an excuse that he's hurt of vengeance. And they kind of do all these weird, like you said, all these weird flirty smiles back and forth the whole time. So, <laughs> yep, still don't like this. Still not a fan. They're not winning me over with these weird, awkward, lame buddy segments where they're just like making weird, passive-aggressive jokes at each other. Yeah, I was going to say, Brock is uh, definitely headed in the wrong direction. So hopefully, hopefully... After this uh, title match at Vengeance, we'll we'll see him have kind of a little bit of a character change because this is not working for me or you, and I don't think it was really working for anybody back then either. No. All right, next up we get a, uh, a WCW throwback match. It's going to be Eddie Guerrero versus Ultimo Dragon, which this is apparently part of the U.S. title tournament. Uh, but before the match, Eddie cuts a promo. He says he hopes that Jerry gets well soon. He knows his temper can get the best of him sometime. But, you know, that's what happens when you lose the match and you touch his ride. His ride is like his mamacita. And uh, <laughs> right now it's time for Eddie to take care of himself and look out for number one. So he entered this tournament. Um, not on the Eddie promo. It was good. It was nice. Uh, fired up. Kind of just declaring that he's, you know, he's back in the singles game which I thought was good. Always some good fire from him. Um, Dragon comes out, and I just want to make a note of, um, they do this like pterodactyl sound or something in Ultimo Dragon's entrance that is just so absurd. Like, it's just, <laughs> like his music, you know, it's like the generic, like, it's very like what American, like a WWE or WCW, like, you know, quote unquote Japanese music. And then out of nowhere, he's like, <laughs> like it's <laughs> so absurd. That's ridiculous. Um, which is funny because a dragon, not a dinosaur, but <laughs> anyway, same difference, uh, right? <laughs> right, sure. Uh, but great pace as you expect from these two. Uh, fantastic belly belly by Eddie. Um, so they do a couple of spots where Eddie keeps getting knocked out and he almost runs into the car. Um, as he gets flipped outside the ring, back in they exchange some pinning combos. Dragon hits a nice Rana. He goes for the moonsault, but uh. Eddie avoids that. Eddie wh whips the moonsault into a cradle and holds the tights and wins. So, um, 
Yeah. So this one is, I thought for what they had, I thought it was really good, but it was like criminally short. Like I thought it was a really cool finish, like the way he um, whipped him into that cradle, but the match just had not been going long enough for it to really build to like, like it would have been a cool finish. Like if this would have went 10 more minutes, I think that finish would have hit so much harder. Like if they had battled and battled and Eddie just sneaks it out with that, but they had only been going for like two minutes. So it really didn't hit the same. So um, I don't know why on this show, when they're like replaying segments from last week, why you couldn't give this a little more time. And I think these two could add a banger, but I went to not really their fault. They just weren't given enough time, I think, to really build anything. Yeah, I, I went to as well. Um, I believe uh, on the most recent episode of Wrestling Warzone, they actually talked about a match. Uh, between Eddie and uh, Ultimo Dragon. So uh, kind of some synergy there um, mm-hmm. w- w- between uh, North-South Connection pods, uh, uh, for sure. Um, but yeah, they, I think they definitely discussed one on the most recent episode that they just had come out. So that's kind of cool that we're also talking about one. Um, I thought uh, Dragon had some really good kicks at the beginning of the match. Um, Eddie hits a belly-to-belly that I thought was pretty nice um, and a backbreaker that I thought looked particularly nasty. Um, I thought Dragon, uh, we talked about Dragon wrestling, uh, I think, Shannon more a few weeks ago. Um, I thought he kind of looked a little clunky in that one, but I thought he looked a lot better here uh, than in that match uh, for sure. And uh, But, you know, I hate seeing him lose already. This is only a second TV match. Now, granted, you know, Eddie used the tights, so it was kind of cheap. But uh, you hate to see Dragon already losing uh, a match mm-hmm. uh, this early in his run. But um, I think this is kind of an indictment of kind of where they feel he is at this point. So, mm-hmm. uh, but we'll, we'll see if he uh, rebounds any going forward. Yeah, yeah. definitely not getting an impression they have big plans for him mm-hmm. by any definitely. stretch. Mm-hmm. All right, Billy Gunn's making out with Tory backstage in the corner, and um, Good Lord. you know. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, they try and put us like, well, now we know they're officially dating as if anyone cared. But uh, <laughs> I just imagine like how awkward it would be like they're making out. And I know we're not supposed to think of it this way, but just that there's a cameraman like like because it is presented like as you're watching like a sports program kind of. So like it's not supposed to be like a phantom cameraman like they they do say those camera people. So it's just funny to imagine like this cameraman's like all up on them while they're making out in the back. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a funny image to me, but anyway, uh, they're going to be facing Noble and Nydia, who are still, you know, riding high off the big inheritance from Aunt whoever it was, Priscilla or whatever the fuck. Uh, Noble is uh, upgraded. Now he's in his very formal khaki shorts because, yeah. you know, he's a rich boy now. And uh, Nydia has her fake mink that she brings to the ring. Uh, match is not a whole lot. Noble's kind of using the little guy strategy. He's kicking Billy's leg a bunch. Uh, Tori gets in there and rolls around with Nydia for a minute, and they kind of uh, hit, a, throw some strikes in there. Um, they hit some chops, and Taz wonders if chops hurt. Basically, asked, do chops hurt women because they have boobs? Is pretty much his logic. Uh, I think they hurt I, worse, honestly. <laughs> and then Tori wins with the DDT. So. Um, and then the post-match, so we get Noble, he offers, he offers Tori $10,000 to, um, to see if it, to, to bang him basically to see if it's anywhere close to his Nydia. Uh, he doesn't realize Nydia is watching and then he gets jumped by, uh, Billy and then, uh, Tori slaps him and, uh, Nydia tries to escape from them and gets her pants pulled down. So her drawers are hanging out. So 
really a lot more about the goofiness than really anything in the match. I, it was a lot more Tori than Noble and uh, uh, Tori and Nidia than Noble and, and Billy here. So I went half a star, not much. Yeah, I almost I almost don't even want to rank rank this because it was more mm-hmm. about segment than it was the match at all. But I, I'll go half star just because I don't I, I I like Noble for the most part and Billy. I'm kind of here or there on, but I do like Noble a good bit. Um, Taz uh, comments on the uh, on the uh, money being the reason that uh, Noble has his new shorts. Um, <laughs> I thought the I thought the match portion was pretty lame. Um, I, Noble offering 10k uh, to spend the night with uh, Tori was pretty funny, um, but I did like the uh, the attack by uh, Billy at the end, and then obviously. They uh, ripped Nidia's shorts off, like you said, uh, but it, kind of a, a funny post-match segment, but the match itself was kind of lame. Yeah, and just typical, get all of them out there to do a few shenanigans. And it's a match we've seen a million times. I, 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 mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to lie to you, I was watching, and I saw Gunn and Tori come out, and I, was, <laughs> I, I didn't even have to see who they were facing. I put versus <laughs> and Noble in my notes before I even saw them come out, because I knew that was the matchup. <laughs> Look, you get book SmackDown, Logan. Yeah, exactly. Got it down. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. We we finally get a bracket for the U.S. title tournament here. Finally, after like seventeen matches, <laughs> um, we have our final four. We have Billy, Billy Gunn, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, and Matt Hardy are remaining. So, I wonder who's going to be in the finals. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. We then find out that Kurt is banned from this uh, main event handicap match from ringside by Vince and is now going to be a false count anywhere match. So throw that in there. So we'll get to that. So it's going to be Brock versus show in a world's greatest tag team, which they do officially dub them that from here on out. So we'll have to keep calling them Haas and Benjamin. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> Brock's wrecking shit to start, but the numbers catch up to him as they stop him from landing an F5 on the outside. Uh, the two, the world's greatest tag team work him over for a minute. Um, show lands a chair shot on the outside and grabs a bear. You know, he hits a bear hug on him for a while. World's great. It hits a leg drop. Uh, it's just them decimating Brock for the most part. They do the double team leapfrog spot. It's a really long three-on-one wear down to the point where it gets a little bit boring after a while. Like, I thought they were doing it well. It's just kind of like for what this match is. It's kind of like dragged on for a little bit too long, uh, just working them over like three-on-one. Brock finally gets a little bit of life, hits a belly-to-belly. He F5s Haas. He goes to get the F5 on uh, Shelton Benjamin on the announce table, but Show uh, comes in and stops him. And then show grabs Brock Lesnar and choke slams him through the table and uh, pins him there since it's false count anywhere and wins with that. Which the choke slam was a great spot. They got some real awesome height on it. Uh, it was very impressive. A uh, nice bump by Brock. But it's you know it's very much them as always. Like it seems like they're always trying to do trying to heat up Big Show and make him a threat so he doesn't seem completely out of place in this title match with Brock and and Angle. But yeah, I thought it was fine. I liked the moment at the end. Um, and another thing is, like, I don't think it makes Big Show seem all that legit because he needed, uh, you know, Shelton and Benjamin to do all the work for him. So it didn't seem all that impressive. I went two and a quarter. I thought the three-on-one stuff dragged on a little bit too long, like the them wearing them down. I don't think you needed to quite do it that long. 
because, you know, it's not like a tag match. He's not going to be able to get a hot tag. So it's just kind of them wearing him down. He tries to get a few things in and they just overwhelm him. So, um, but I guess it served the purpose. Yeah, I went two and a quarter as well. Uh, kind of like you said, that 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 uh, wear down segment on Brock uh, definitely uh, dragged a little bit there. Uh, like you said, I definitely agree with that. Um, anytime the action kind of got outside, it kind of broke down because it was false count anywhere. So all of them kind of attack uh, Lesnar anytime it, uh, it it go to it went outside. Um, I was I was interested that we joined the match kind of in progress. It had like started during the commercial. I, I thought that was an interesting thing uh, that they did. Uh, maybe not the smartest move, but um, but like as soon as they join the match in progress, like that's the only time Lesnar really gets any offense and to- toward until towards the end. Um, the overhead belly to belly that he hits on show is incredible considering how big big show is. Uh, but it just shows how aw- awesomely powerful uh, Brock is. Um, he also hits a belly to belly on Benjamin on the floor that I thought sounded or sounded and looked pretty nasty. Um, I like the uh, out of nowhere super kick that show hits when uh, Brock's about to F5 uh, Shelton through the table. Um, and then, like you said, the, uh, you know, show picks up Brock like an absolute child and just chokes him, him to hell through the uh, through the table. Um, and then he just steps on him with his boot for the win. So re- showed it, showed him being very dominant. And, um, you know, like you said, they, they did try to book him in these situations to where he'll look dominant, despite the fact that he's probably like the third favorite of the people to walk out with a title uh, when you get to the title match. But, um, yeah, not not the not the greatest main event we've seen on SmackDown, but uh, I thought it did highlight uh, everybody pretty well. Yep, yeah, pretty pretty straightforward. Like I don't want to say paint by numbers, but nothing too out of left field on this show. Like I think the as we wrap it up, like I think the main event, I think this whole main event is fine for like what it is, like a July show where you kind of have to do a holdover to SummerSlam, so you do a triple threat. Like that's that's all well and good. It's not the most interesting thing, but like I get it, it's not horrible. I like Eddie going singles, like. I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes. And finally we have a little bit of like clarity on what the tournament's going to be. They they're putting a lot on the McMahon stuff, which could go. Okay. Like it all depends, you know, it could end up being like fun and like an insane way. Mm-hmm. We'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah. yeah, just, I think with SmackDown suffering, it's, there's not a whole lot. I mean, we kind of have some direction with this, but it's basically just like that triple threat, which was really not a lot of build to it. It's just kind of them, like it's set and we get the lame Kurt and Brock buddy stuff mm-hmm. and then big show as a monster, a lot of McMahon stuff. And I don't think we're quite getting like a lot of times on SmackDown, you get like a banger match. Like we had some good matches, but nothing really that really elevated too much to kind of save it. I ended up going four out of 10. It just felt like a very paint by number sort of SmackDown to me. Like they hit on everything. That's kind of they're building for the pay-per-view, but not in any real like super interesting or exciting way. Yeah, I, I kind of agree um, for the most part, pretty paint by numbers. Um, obviously, we like the tag a lot or the, the tag for I mean, um, so I, I'll, I'll give it the half point bump because just because I think it was uh, better than raw for sure. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I'll go four and a half, um, just to you know, kind of put it over uh, where I thought Raw was. But 
Um, yeah, just, just, um, it, it almost seems like there's a little bit too much time between pay-per-views. Uh, cause I feel like, you know, we've been building a vengeance and, uh, you know, SmackDown hadn't had a pay-per-view in forever cause you know, uh, they've done these, uh, specific brand shows. So, I mean, SmackDown has been without a pay-per-view for two, almost two months now. So, um, it, it's almost a little bit too much time to build, uh, cause you kind of have to really stretch these things out. Um, you know, it's been since judgment day that, that they've had a pay-per-view. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's almost a little bit too much time, so it kind of hurts some of these stories. But um, yeah, they they definitely need to reach that uh, that time so they can kind of reset and start some new things. Mm-hmm. And I think you're starting to feel like the the brand split kind of way on them a little bit because now these same guys have been on the same shows for a long time. They've kind of paired people off already, and they don't. They're kind of running out of what you know. Who do you pair off? Like. Angle and Brock, they kind of had this huge WrestleMania match, and now they're kind of by default <laughs> have to be tied back with each other because they just don't have any anybody else for Brock to feud with. So I think it's hurting them a little bit. Yeah, I mean that 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 stays the same pretty much uh, mm-hmm. uh, for the rest of the year. Uh, sad, sadly enough, as we'll we'll get to throughout the the rest of the year, but um, not much changes in that main event picture because they just don't got anybody that's at that level. Which is a terrible indictment for the company, but you know, they are two really great guys. So, I mean, it does, it, it's mm-hmm. not bad to throw them against each other, but um, definitely, definitely a crutch for sure. All right. Uh, best match. I think we both got that four way tag. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so for sure. Best moment. I'm going to go with Kane attacking Stone Cold just because it kind of catches off guard that Stone Cold will get physical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just that whole brawl was uh, mm-hmm. really exciting and awesome. So I definitely agree with you. Best show, I'm going to go with um, uh, SmackDown. I think we're both based on our scores. Yeah, yeah, just SmackDown by by a hair for sure. Um, mm-hmm. They they just had the better match, um, and they had an interesting uh, couple of segments as well. But um, yeah, just mid ring wise, uh, SmackDown was a little bit better. MVP, I think I'm going to go with, well, let's go LVP first. LVP, I think I'm going to go, oh, man. Um, Nash for me. Yeah, I was going to, it was Nash or Tess, and I think Nash, he really looked like he was mailing it in. Mm, I mean, at least Tess won, so uh, (laughs) you you, could give him that. So, um, But Nash lost and looked like a jackass, so. He did not uh, pass. (laughs) He did not pass. (laughs) MVP is, oh, man. Uh I'd go Kurt probably. I, I think he. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, he was with entertaining the, with the segment, and you know, um, I, I think uh, that that opening segment was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd probably go Kurt or Ray. Would probably be Ray more in ring, but yeah, kind of slump pickings on these. Some other standouts. I thought. I think Kane, Kane is doing Kane, a good job. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Kane's doing a good job. I thought Booker had a good night. He was good, despite even if the match was disappointing. It wasn't on him. He had a good uh, showing. Kidman, I thought, looked good in his return and his yep. like official entering return. Um, Cena had the good promo. Mm-hmm. We give a shout out to the Bashams. I think they looked pretty good in that. Time, yeah, they so. did. Mm-hmm. Eddie, Eddie was awesome. The promos were good. I like yeah. him going singles. So this is a good performance. It's less so on Raw. I'm trying to. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Dreamer's best performance. Tommy, uh, Tommy Dreamer did really good bleeding on the floor. His best performance in a year. Um, (laughs) Anyway, I think that's pretty good. Uh, 
But that wraps up another week for Slogan. Uh, thanks for joining me, as always. Uh, what do we have going on uh, since we haven't been on in about a month? <laughs> Um, we are uh, about we'll record we'll be recording the uh, Bound for Glory 2006 episode of Highway to the Impact Zone uh, coming up pretty soon. So uh, that's a pretty pillar show for TNA. Um, we, we'll we've been building towards that one for a while. Um, Big Sting and Jeff Jarrett uh, main event for that one. So I'm looking forward to kind of watching that one, see when uh, where we go from there, um, kind of what builds from that. Um, but we're we'll, we'll looking forward to that one for sure. Um, I th- Kurt Angle's there now too. Our boy yeah, Kurt, Kurt Angle. Yeah, there, about. We go. there we go. That's true. Um, but, uh, we will also be recording a new episode of YouTube roulette coming up pretty soon. Um, and then, uh, linking up luchas, uh, we're kind of getting towards the end of the first season. Um, We've kind of been disappointed by some stuff lately, but I think there have been uh, bright spots as well um, that we've kind of uh, called out and shouted out on that show. So um, definitely uh, getting excited, kind of building towards the end, uh, getting towards the first Ultima Lucha. So uh, we'll see where we continue from there. Yeah, very good. Yeah, I would say they set a high bar for us too, which is, you know, can be – Maybe hurts them sometimes with us because they kind of we have high expectations because we know how good that show can be when it's mm-hmm. kicking. But yeah, that's been a lot of fun going through. So if go ahead and check that out, that'll be a fun one if you've never watched it. Kind of chug along with us because it's easy. It's an easy watch. Like the shows are like forty minutes and it yeah. goes pretty quickly. It's pretty. It's pretty uh, quick and concise podcast and uh, show. If you're watching the episodes with us. Yeah, I think you covered pretty much all of it because that's all I do. Too, but, uh, other than that, check out everything here, the North-South Connection, uh, video and audio stuff, of course. And we will be back in two weeks to uh, continue on the road to vengeance and see uh, who Kane's next victims will be. I think, uh, I could be wrong, but I think next week is a pretty historic or infamous uh Oh, yeah. Kane moment, if I'm uh, if I'm recalling correctly. So that'll be one you want to tune in for. So we'll be here. Um, thanks for listening, and we'll see you then. Over what went down on the plains of Abraham? Acadian driftwood, gypsy tailwind. They call my home the land of snow. Canadian cold Acadian Driftwood
strength My clothes were wet and I was drenched to the bone Then I was ice fishing, mm, too much repetition Make a man want to leave the only home he's known Sailed out of the Gulf and for St. Pierre Nothing to declare, all we had was gone Broke down along the coast, oh, but what hurt the most When the people there said, you better keep moving on Yeah. 